I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. So who the heck am I and why am I doing this? Well, I'm an entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, rookie researcher, and I'm simply a curious person. I've spent the last 15 years around professional why notters. This show was created because I believe the world will be a better place if more of us start asking ourselves, why not now? And not just ask the question, but understand how to take action. And we're not talking kittens and unicorns here. You've already done the dreaming. Now it's time for the doing. I know it's not as easy as it sounds. That's why we're going to practice together. Why not now? Let's get after it. What's up, everyone? I really appreciate you tuning in, and thank you so much for all of the feedback. I read every single comment, and it is greatly appreciated. On today's show, we have three-time Super Bowl champion Troy Aikman. And yes, Troy is an NFL Hall of Fame athletic badass. We're familiar with that. But there's another side to Troy, too. I think you'll enjoy getting to know him on a new level. In this episode, Troy shares a powerful learning moment that happened when his teenage daughter told him she's not going to be a pro athlete. He also shares his opinion and concern about concussions in athletics. Troy tells us about the single best thing he's ever done for himself And throughout the conversation, he talks about a few new passions that you might be surprised to learn about. I'm excited for what he has up his sleeve. So let's do this. Before we get started, I want to fill you in on something that's made a big difference in my life, and that's Headspace. I'm grateful to have them as a sponsor of this episode. Headspace is a guided meditation app that I've been using for the past couple of months, and it's the first time I've ever been able to meditate consistently. I've tried to adopt various forms of mindfulness off and on for the past 10 plus years, and this is the first time something has actually stuck. And call it what you want, meditation, mindfulness, sometimes I just call it my ready, set, pause, or adult timeout. (laughs) It takes 10 minutes each day, and it's helped me quiet my mind. My aunt used to say, don't let anything rent space in your head for free. That's valuable real estate. Well, Headspace allows me to become a much better landlord of my thoughts and self-talk, which is a big one for me. You can go to headspace.com forward slash why not now for a free 10-day trial. And if you stick around to the end of the show, I'll tell you how you can get a month for free. Okay, here's Troy Aikman. Welcome to the show, Troy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. You've you've always been so responsive and and awesome after meeting several years ago. I guess it was for the Fox Sports social media training, uh, I think is when we met. And I appreciate you you giving us your time but also um sharing a little bit about your why not now philosophy. Kind of diving right in into the why not now Let's get to our first question. There's no doubt about it. You are a professional why notter, uh, in my opinion, and many others. So tell us about a time when you had been thinking about doing something for a long time, and then finally you thought to yourself, why not now? 
Yeah, I think for for me, Amy, it really uh, it came about. You know, there's been you know certainly change in my life. Uh, you know, from when I was young and you know at different times. But I think the I think the moment you reference really kind of happened for me when when I was a, a sophomore in college and I was at the University of Oklahoma. Um, I had been starting that season as a sophomore and then, and then broke my leg and the team went on without me to, uh, to win the national championship. And, and it was pretty obvious that, that I was not going to, you know, get a chance to play if I stayed at Oklahoma. And so I was really kind of forced with a decision as to whether or not I, I, you know, wanted to leave kind of the comforts of a university where I, I felt at home and, and then uh, within my state where it was an hour and a half drive to my hometown. And, uh, but yet I knew that for me to ultimately be able to, to go on and, and achieve what my dreams were, and that was to be a professional athlete, that I was really kind of left with, you know, not much of a decision uh, if I wanted to fulfill those things. And so, you know, it, it kind of was 19 years old at the time and I uh, had to just pretty much take a leap of faith as far as, you know, where I was going to go, you know, what all that entailed. I, I had to leave the state, uh, you know, because of transfer rules and for me to be able to still go on and play at a Division One school. And uh, so those were, that was, a, that was a difficult time for me uh, in terms of being young and leaving family and kind of, at that time, Amy, no, no transfer students had really ever emerged after transferring. You know, you different athletes from time to time would leave. It's not as prevalent as it is today in, in college athletics, but athletes would transfer and then you just never would hear from them again. So, you know, there was a lot of doubt, but yet I, I felt like I kind of needed to take those steps if, if ultimately I was going to fulfill, you know, my childhood dreams. Were you an advice seeker at the time? You're 19 years old, you're thinking about moving west and making this big change doesn't have a, a lot of stats behind, like you said, um, athletes transitioning, transferring, and then going on to have a, a really successful career. Did you talk to a lot of people or did you just kind of know yourself? You know, I didn't talk to a lot of people. I think the, the uncertainty for me was, was not knowing because, uh, it, it, I was not in a position where I could go around and ask, uh, other universities, whether or not they would even want me to be a part of their program because I was under scholarship at Oklahoma. So I, I talked to a few close friends, um, but you know, certainly my family, but I, but I was, I was kind of just having to, you know, I had to first announce my desire to transfer and talk with Barry Switzer, who was the head coach at Oklahoma and let him know. And, you know, they could go through the proper paperwork and, and all that was required there before I could really find out if, if, if any, if any schools even wanted me to come be a part of their program. And uh, so I think that was kind of the the difficult part for me. And and fortunately, when I did go in and visit with Barry Switzer and finally made the decision that, OK, this is what I need to do. Uh, he was great. And he immediately you know, said, OK, well, what schools are you interested in? And and he pulls out a list of of universities that had finished in the top throwing the football the year before because I wanted to go to a passing school and. And then he reached out to a number of head coaches, and that's what got the ball rolling. And uh, and I had a lot of offers from some really good schools, and and there's no doubt that uh, you know, there's no way I I would have gone on to you know certainly play in the NFL uh, or do what I was able to do collegiately if I had never you know made that step and uh, decided that it was time for me to go. Do you remember a moment that that you just committed, um, or was it more of a process? It was kind of a process, I guess, because that that last season at Oklahoma, when I when I did break my leg, I broke my leg in the fourth game of the season. I, I never was able to return, uh, so I had a lot of time to to really think about it. And as the team continued to have success each week without me, and then ultimately, as I said, when, you know, win the national championship, uh, it it just I think the decision came a, a little more crystallized for me that. All right, you know that window is really getting smaller here at Oklahoma, and I think this is kind of what I'm going to have to do. 
And and as far as taking those kind of risks or leaps of faith throughout your career, would you consider yourself a risk taker or would you consider yourself a little bit more conservative? Uh, I consider myself a little more conservative. I, I, I guess yeah, I, I like calculated risks. I guess it would, would be how I would kind of describe, you know, my personality and, and outlook. But I guess if I had picked between one or the other, I, w- I, would, I would say conservative. I, I think I keep it a little closer to the vest. And, uh, and that's really kind of how I go about my life. And changing gears just for a minute, first to kind of just uh, touch on the text message I just sent you. So I sent Troy this photo um, of a Gatorade bottle and a wristband. And what was so funny this last weekend was I was with my cousin up here in South Dakota. She's one year younger than me, and we grew up together. She used to live in Austin, and we would come and watch the Cowboys uh, training at UT Austin. And we were there, it must have been mid-90s, and we were watching behind the fence, and all of a sudden you roll up in a golf cart and hand her your Gatorade bottle and that wristband, and it made her year. And I had kind of forgotten about this until this weekend, and, and we're sitting at her house, at her parents' house, and she said, Mom, you didn't throw that away, right? You promised me. And here she's, what, 35 years old now? And she said, and her mom said, I don't think so. And all of a sudden it turned into this mad dash to where she thought it was being stored because she's probably moved 20 times and it's just been held safe. She finds it. So that's, it was, it was too funny because we were standing there on the other side of the fence and we didn't think we were going to actually get to see, see you too close or that was back, you know, Emmett Smith was there too, Deion Sanders. And sure enough, so Thank you for giving my cousin Alicia your wristband. <laughs> I'm more impressed with her mom for, uh, for, you know, having it as a keepsake all these years. That's that's impressive. I'm sure they've made a made a few moves since that time. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's been uh, it was a funny funny situation there. We did meet. Um, through the the social media world, and that's how, that's how we first connected and met in person. And um, I remember that day because uh, Jimmy Johnson was he had he didn't have a Twitter account yet. <laughs> that's right. No, and, a lot of didn't in that room. Oh yes, and it was hilarious because you know my team and I were going around person to person to help them and figure out their strategy and get up to Jimmy and all of a sudden he's posting photos of himself (laughs) fishing in Florida. (laughs) Uh, And it was just too funny. And and you have quite the crew there. Um, But speaking of social media, so you have your two daughters, Jordan and Alexa, who are, are they 13 and 14 now? They are. They're they're soon to be both four. They're Irish twins. They're 11 months apart. So (laughs) nice. And do you set so that's a really interesting time an impressionable time especially um, as it relates to peers and when you talk about social media and you think about um, the world that we live in now do you have any boundaries or roles when it comes to social media uh, yeah I, I will be honest with you the the I feel like I'm on top of a lot of things. When it when it comes to them and their friends and their influences and 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 those types of things and but the social media side it's hard I mean it's really difficult you know I I, I am in, on social media as you know Amy I mean you as you talked about it you you've been such a big influence for me and the presentation that you gave to Fox years ago I think was really eye opening and and it continues to to change and and that platform continues to evolve and there's so many different social media apps and I've gotten on some of them just so I can try to keep up really with my girls. It has had more to do with them than it has had to do with anything I've been wanting to try to accomplish through social media, but there's not enough hours in the day mm-hmm. for me to, to have all these. So uh, we have a lot of talks as far as you know what's acceptable and what's not. And then uh, I do have someone who looks at their phones uh, you know, fairly regularly, uh, to, to monitor that activity. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a scary world out there, especially it's, it's scary for adults. We see all the time, you know, mishaps that occur and things that people wish that they hadn't have posted or, you know, things they hadn't have said. And, and I think that that even gets more and more complicated when you're talking about young children, young adults that, 
uh, are still kind of finding their way and finding who they are and, and what they're about. And then the pressures that come, you know, with social media, it's, it's, it's not going away. Uh, and I'm, and I'm not one of those parents that wants to always reflect back to, well, here's what we used to do when I was a kid. And, you know, because it, it, our, our childhood, my childhood wasn't the same as my parents' childhood. My kid's childhood isn't the same as mine. And that's just the way that it is. That's life and that's technology. So I, I do the best I can, but it's an area that I can, I could certainly be a little bit more vigilant on with them, but, but there are others that, that do keep up with it. Another kind of component is the impressionable, well, the highlight reels that we tend to show. So, you know, people are showing the best and, uh, one of my big passions is helping younger girls with confidence. And as I look and analyze the, the situation we have with how influenced and how, how we tend to compare ourselves um, as human beings, let alone at that age. I, I've, I've heard an interview where you were talking about a time where I think, I, I'm not sure which daughter it was, but they said to you, you know what, dad, I'm, I'm not going to go pro. I don't want to go pro. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if it was, I don't want or what the, what the story was, but can you talk a little bit about that and your reaction? Because I thought that was really cool how this all went down. Yeah, it was uh, my oldest daughter, Jordan, and, and both of my girls are, are good athletes, and and, uh, and it, a lot of things happen naturally for them, and they've been good players on their teams, and uh, so we were we were on a walk a few summers back. We were walking through the neighborhood, and 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 I was just we were talking about a lot of things, and you know I was it, it was I was in one of those moods, and I was on them about different things that I felt like they could improve. And, and, and I told my oldest daughter and I said, you know, uh, and by the way, I heard the coach talking the other day about lacrosse and you're supposed to be practicing, you know, doing so many throws a day and doing this, doing that. And I haven't seen you do any of it. And then I, I just felt this gap from when I was walking and there was no one else really behind me. (laughs) So, so I stopped and, uh, and my both girls, both daughters, kind of stopped and Jordan had her head down. And so I walked back and, and she looked at me and just said, dad, I'm not going to be a professional athlete. And I, I remember, you know, her saying that and it, and it really impacted me because, you know, I would never want either one of my girls to think that I have expectations for them that are that high. You know, I want them to be what they want to be and, and who they want to be and live their life. And, and but I said to her, I said, you know, darling, I don't think you'll ever be a professional athlete either. I mean, and it's not because I don't think that she has ability to do really great things. Uh, it's just that the odds of that happening, you know, aren't obviously real high. And if it's not what she wants to do, that's fine. And uh, I said, but you're going to be something, you know, you're going to in, in life, you're going to be something, whether it's if it's not a professional athlete, it's going to be being a doctor or, or being a nurse or being a school teacher or being a housewife or, you know, being a mom or, you know, all those, I guess, roles that we find ourselves in. And, and I just said that whatever that is for you, I, I think you should want to be the best, the best at it. And so if you're going to play lacrosse, I think you should try to be the best that you can be. And I think nothing happens by just happenstance. I think you have to put effort into it. And uh, I don't know if that was an impactful moment for her. I felt it was kind of a teaching moment. Uh, I've told the story a few times. She she, she maybe had even forgotten about it, uh, but she's heard about it now. But uh, I do think it's a lesson that is is important for, for all of us to remember that whatever it is you do, I think it's, you know, it's your signature, it's your autograph that you put on your work. And, and I, to me anyway, you, you should take pride in, in everything and anything that you do. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool story for people to hear and, and take away the the same thing. It's, it's amazing how, you know, we tend to forget these very simple general things like that where, you know, just because we're, if we're doing one thing for a while, doesn't mean it's going to be forever, but it is definitely building our character forever, (laughs) whatever that thing is. So, and, um, so question for you, uh, something that I've really struggled with in, in life. And one of my biggest challenges has been kind of learning when to make things happen versus when to let them happen. And, um, sometimes that sheer force of will, can get you to great places. And sometimes it's gotten me into some trouble. <laughs> so, um, given what you've accomplished, 
you are very well aware of what you're capable of. Do you have any um, ways that you decipher between those two of, of when to let things happen, when to make them happen? Uh, any advice on that? I think that's such a great question. I, I think I wrestle with that a lot, you know, because I'm, I'm not an overly patient person. You know, I, I tend to want things to happen very quickly. And uh, even in business, if somebody comes to me and has a great idea and I, and I like it, you know, I, I kind of want things to get done immediately, you know, <laughs> one and say, okay, let's do it. And, you know, when are we, when are we going to get started? And, and as you know, I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. And I, and I even think in, in my personal life, I probably speak for a lot of people who are listening to this, that, you know, we tend to want things to happen, you know, much sooner uh, than they really do. And, and I, I began uh, practicing, you know, mindfulness meditation about, oh, about three years ago. And I think it's, uh, it's been really great for me. And, and it's allowed me to kind of strike a balance, if you will, between being eager for things to occur right away and then just accepting things as they are. And, and I, I still am challenged by that notion, but uh, not like I once was. So I, I, I really credit you know, my practice in, in mindfulness as much as anything. Not, not, that, not that not wanting things to kind of go a little bit quicker is, is necessarily a bad thing, but I, I've found real uh, contentment and, and peace, I guess, in kind of allowing things to happen however they may. That's You're jumping to the, the next question. Great transition, and that is about meditation. I've seen you post on social media a few times about um, mindfulness. And can you talk a little bit about your practice? I've just gotten into this consistently meditating for the first time ever uh, being consistent. And and I'd love to hear a little bit more about how this has evolved for you and what you do. I, I came across a book uh, and I'm not, I, can't, I don't know how exactly I came across this book, but it was, uh, it's called 10% Happier. I'm drawing a blank on the last name. He's a he works for ABC. Is uh, oh Dan Harris. Dan Harris is his name, and he's the author of the book. And somehow I stumbled across it and thought the title was interesting. And so I I read I I, I got it uh, as an ebook. I started reading it, and uh, I found it really fascinating. And I had I, and it was basically his story about meditation and. I had given some thought about meditation prior to that and had read a few things and had read some books on Zen and, and, but I'd never really jumped into it. And then after reading this book, I thought he laid out a a really nice story and, and probably his story was, uh, you know, very consistent with how a lot of people feel when they first start down that path. And so I I thought, well, I'm going to give it a shot. And and uh, and I've stuck with it ever since. And I wound up. It was about a year and a half ago. I went to um, uh, a three day retreat uh, up in uh, Northern California. And and it's probably Amy the the single best thing I, I've ever done for myself. Yeah. And I'd like to go back. I was hoping to go back this past off season, but I, I was unable to find the time. I wanted to go back for a longer period of time. But I practice every day. Uh, there are there are some days that I'm not able to get it in. And sometimes what I what I typically do on a normal day, it's the first thing I do in the morning. So I just make a point of getting up earlier than I than I need to. And I go through fit about 15 minutes. Um, and some days it's a little bit less uh, if I just don't feel like I can really commit to that amount of time. And some days it's a little bit more than that. I really have I've posted things, as you've said, on social media, it's not something I've really discussed with uh, with a lot of people. But I, when when those have asked me about it, I've been very willing to talk about it. And uh, I think the changes that I've noticed uh, have been profound. I, mean, I wish that I had had began uh, a practice much sooner. But I'm I'm thankful that I that I found it when I did because it's uh, it's been a really positive thing for me. That's exciting to to hear, and I. I think there is a a wave of adoption here where we're seeing a lot more people consider meditation and um, whether it's trendiness of some sort that's getting people started, you know, who knows and really who cares as long as it's it's helpful to them. Um, And do you listen to anything when you meditate or are you um, more, the training that you've done, are you able to kind of do it solo? I I have found... I have found that really to kind of be more of a distraction for me. Do you use the the guided meditation? 
I have been using Headspace. Um, it's a, oh, I'm familiar with that one. And it's, it's really helped me get started. And I've just noticed, um, I'm on the new pack after your first 30 days, you get to kind of pick which pack and I'm on the focus pack right now. Um, and it really helps you with, with focus and flow and being kind of soft, but very, um, very focused, I guess you'd say. And we're going through the chakra, uh, flow, uh, and, and I really enjoy it. I, I definitely think it's what's helped me stick, uh, for the, I've been trying to do this for probably 10 years off and on, whether it's taking, you know, a towel out to the backyard before even yoga mats were, were popular and just sitting there with a, with a cooking timer. And I just couldn't even get through five minutes because my mind would just wander and I'm swatting away ideas and, and thoughts. And, um, and you feel like you're doing it wrong almost. So right, this right. Is, it has helped me. And, and I can say that, you know, historically I thought exercise, running or, you know, any kind of cardio was my meditation. And now I realize the difference, you know, there really is, is a difference. It's a different form, but, um, I saw you post a a quote from the Dalai Lama saying, you know, if, if every eight year old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation. And it's like, wow, you know, of course that's a, it's a huge statement, but uh, after kind of rep- I think I've reposted some of your, your things about this. And if there's anything to get people interested and just give it a try, I think that would be a, a pretty good reason. So, yeah, you know, it's a, it's interesting when I, when I saw that post as well, it really kind of hit me and, and I felt that what a lofty goal and what a, what a huge statement. And, and just because, and I guess those that have, haven't experienced it or haven't done it, then they don't quite understand the comments. But I guess for me, I thought, wow, I, I think there's some truth to that. You know, if someone, if these kids could start sooner, you know, knowing what my practice has been like, I, I, I think that is achievable. But what your point that you made as far as, you know, working out, exercising, and that kind of being a form of, of meditation or mindfulness for you, I, that's kind of what I had always felt. I like to go on long runs, and I've always felt that running – has been great for me, not just from the physical standpoint, but also because it, 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 it seems like I just get a lot of thoughts then. And, uh, and my mind is very fertile and ideas and what needs to get done. And I've always thought that was good. And then as I've gotten into this, I don't know that it is. I mean, cause I've, I've really tried to quiet my mind a little bit more. And so I, what I found now through my practice of meditation, that when I'm on jogs, I'm able to actually enjoy the run and and what's happening while I'm running as opposed to my mind just going crazy thinking about all these different things that are happening in my life. So I think that's been a, a direct uh, result of the practice that I've had in meditation. I would say the same. I've caught myself when I used to. I, I stopped. Well, I, I completely stopped. I don't know if I'll ever drink again, but I haven't had any alcohol alcohol for probably a little over three months just to see, just to experiment. I'm into all of these experiments. And, um, and I'm finding myself when I would have said in the past, something stressful comes up. Hey, I could, I, I would love a glass of wine. It's no, I need to, I think I need to go meditate. It's become a new, <laughs> um, solution to stress. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's gotta be a decent trade off there. But, um, it's, it's a really cool, you know, topic that I love hearing everyone's systems and, and everyone's different. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I, I can only imagine how powerful it could be for, for athletes and professional athletes. So there's a sports saying, and, and it's actually applicable in business too, and I, I've always loved this saying that there's a difference between playing not to lose and playing to win. And it's always resonated with me, and I, I've used it a lot with my team in the past when I had my company, and um, you talk about you know being on the offensive. What does that saying mean to you, given what you've done, uh, you know, three-time Super Bowl champ? What's that, that mean to you? What it means to me, I think, is like what you said. I think it's taking the initiative to be successful instead of being guarded about uh, against failure. You know, it's it's having confidence that that you're taking the right steps and doing the right things in order to win. And and typically, then that would mean being more aggressive 
as, as opposed to just sitting back and saying, okay, well, we're going to be conservative and not, not push things forward a little bit. And I think in a, in a football analogy, because that's a, that's a comment that I've made, you know, as far as, Hey, are you playing to win or are you, are you playing not to lose? And years ago, some of the listeners may remember this, the, New England Patriots were playing the Indianapolis Colts. Peyton Manning was playing for the Colts at the time. The Patriots had a lead late in the game, and they had the ball. And it was fourth and two, fourth and one, and Bill Belichick backed up on his own side of the field. He went for it on fourth down and didn't make it. Peyton got the ball, took the team 30 yards, whatever it was, scored a touchdown, won the game. And Belichick got blistered by the press because it was unconventional it went against everything that you would be told in coaching that you would never go for it on your own side of the 50 yard line, uh, especially against Peyton Manning and, uh, and not punt the ball on fourth down and make him go 80 yards or however long he had to go. And I thought when I saw it, I thought immediately it was, it was, it was the greatness of Bill Belichick because he knew the only way he was going to win the game was to convert that on fourth down and run out the clock. And whether he gives him the ball on the 30-yard line or he gives Peyton the ball on, you know, to where he has to go 80 yards, he didn't have confidence that he would be able to stop him and win the game and that Peyton would eventually score and, and beat them. And so I thought, here's a guy who was willing to accept any criticism that he may take for not punting, and yet he went for it. So I, I never criticized him. I, I was one of maybe three people that didn't criticize him. You know, everyone, all the talk shows, all the pundits, everybody was was after him. And I just thought that's to me that encapsulated why Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I said, you know, he understands how you play to win as opposed to playing not to lose. And uh, I thought that that was a great example of that. And I think to me, when you ask that question, that's what I immediately think of. It's a great analogy, too, because it- not only literally in sports, but, but in life, I think that we have these times where we are more on the offensive and obviously there's more of there are times when we're reacting. And, um, my recent choice to move from San Diego, from a boat up to South Dakota, uh, you know, a lot of people have said, wow, what's that going to do for your career? You're out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, that's, isn't that kind of cutting yourself off? And I said, no, I feel like it's going on the offensive. Actually, there are a lot of things I want to build, a lot of things I want to create and write and learn. And, um, and I did hear someone actually who had, who I greatly respect. His name is Chris Saka. And he, he kind of did a similar thing. He he moved to Montana for a while with his family and, and, and did something. And I think that we, we can isolate ourselves when we make those decisions, but that isn't always a bad thing, right? So it's it's kind of leading into the next why not now question. So many of the listeners are thinking about their own why not now question. And that can be really scary and spark, you know, some vulnerability. When you went from playing in the NFL to covering the game, did you feel like in a way you had lost a bit of your identity or that, that you've do you have a need for reinventing yourself? Um, and how did you approach that? I was really fortunate, Amy, that, you know, I never imagined that I would do broadcasting when I was playing. And uh, it wasn't until I retired in 2000. It wasn't until 98 when I went over to Europe and did some games that that broadcasting then became an option. So when when I retired and was given an opportunity to go into the broadcast booth and work for Fox, uh, I was ready to be done playing. Uh, the, the last few years of my career were, were very frustrating for a number of reasons. And when I, when I decided, okay, uh, I'm not going to continue, then, uh, I think that was the first part that a lot of athletes have to get over, you know, that, okay, they're ready to move on. I was ready. And I think that would help make that transition for me was that I was able to still stay within the game in some capacity with the broadcasting and, and, uh, it's, it's really helped, you know, and not a lot of people get that. So, uh, I'm asked a lot if I miss, uh, if I miss playing and I always say, my answer to that is always real simple. I say, I, I don't miss playing. Uh, I, I, I feel like I played 
my last few years of my career, I, what I miss is I miss winning. I miss, I miss being in the big games. I miss the, what it feels like to be a champion. And, uh, so that, that part of it will never go away. But for me, moving into the broadcast booth, uh, has, has been great. It's kind of scratched an itch for me. It's kept me involved in the game. I keep waking up every day with a purpose and, and being involved in something. I got other interests that I'm involved with as well and other business interests. But, uh, Obviously, the, the the broadcasting is a is a big part of of what I do. Certainly for half the year. With that day, and I've I've heard some of your interviews. Uh, I think Sports Illustrated was one of them where you talked through your literal day and and kind of your approach to your work now. And uh, you you have a lot going on. I mean, obviously with with your daughters, but also there's a lot of travel during season, and you're constantly studying. You know what you need to know for the next game. Any productivity tips? Well, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to how to get as much done, uh, or how to streamline, I guess, my schedule. You know, I'm pretty regimented in in terms of what I, what my days like during the season, uh, kind of how I need to go about it uh, to to get the things done that I need to get done, still have time for my girls and their events and, and things that they've got going at school. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I've got any really great tips other than, you know, just kind of having a plan each day and, and what does that day look like? And, uh, and that's, that's the plan that I've really used since I retired, but it's also what I did when I was, uh, when I was a player and, and trying to get as prepared as I could as an athlete, you know, for the upcoming season. So being super intentional about yeah. time and thinking it through prior and yeah, that's that's a pretty big one. Even though it's it seems basic, but it's definitely big. Um, so I did ask Twitter and and my own Facebook friends, kind of what would you ask Troikman? And so many of the questions you've answered before. So I feel like I didn't want to use this time um, for people can find those answers. One of them though kept coming up, and I know you've answered this before. And that's on the topic of um, concussions. And with, with all the information available now, what's your stance or are you concerned? Well, I'm, uh, I guess I'm, con- I, me personally, am I concerned about my well-being? Both. Um, I'd say you're, and then also, you know, for the current, current players. Yeah, I, uh, for me, I, I would say, uh, yes, I'm concerned only because of the stories that I read, just like everybody else. Uh, you know, I, I know of some people who have had issues. I've read their stories and I hear them talking about it. Beyond that, I guess, no, because uh, fortunately for me, I've not had any any of those symptoms. I've gone in and I've been tested, you know, to find out if if I'm having any cognitive issues. And and I've tested out very well. Uh, I just, you know, I try to continue to have a active lifestyle and things that I think help, uh, in, in that regard, but what are the long-term damages going to be? I, I don't really know so far so good, but it is certainly a concern for our sport. Uh, head injuries are, are a serious matter. It's not just in football. I think football has been targeted, but, uh, they say girls soccer actually has more concussions than any other sport, which, uh, certainly is a, my girls fortunately, uh, have not had concussions. They do, they do both play soccer and other sports, but, uh, I think the game, at least as it relates to football, everyone's trying to do what they can to make it as safe as they can. But uh, it's a it's a violent game. It's big physical people who are running into each other. And and with that is going to come injury. And as long as people are wearing helmets in football, there's going to be head injuries. And, you know, I do believe, though, that there will come a time uh, if, if we haven't already gotten there that we'll look back and we'll be appalled that uh, kids at eight, nine, ten years old we're playing tackle football. Uh, I, I just think, I think that's too early. I've, I've played with guys who never played football until they got to high school and uh, went on to become professional athletes. And, and, I, and I don't believe that you have to be hitting each other and wearing pads and helmets uh, at young ages. And I think there'll come a time where it won't be allowed until at least junior high. Um, will that help? I, I think it's got to help, would, would be my belief that as brains are developing and as bodies are developing, if you're not banging on each other, then that's got to be helpful. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a concern. It's going to continue to be a concern. I don't know that there's any way around it, especially, as I said, as long as players are wearing helmets because they're, they're used as much as a weapon as they are for protection. Yeah, I think that's helpful, helpful though, for parents to hear your thoughts on, on the um, transition from certain ages and, and kind of your opinion on that. So, so thank you for addressing that. Um, and to kind of anchor the the why not now topic and talking about the future. Uh, is there something that you've been considering doing? Maybe something that people have no idea uh, about, and maybe it's time for you to, to ask yourself why not now. Have you been dragging your feet on anything? Or it could be small, it could be big, personal, professional. Anything that that comes to mind? Yeah, there's there's been uh, there's there was one thing that I've always wanted to do and and I've still not done it and that is I've I've always wanted to go to culinary school oh, and wow. yeah I've just always wanted to kind of learn how to how to cook and I can grill and do those kinds of things you know on the grill outside like like all guys can but I thought how cool would it be if you could really you know cook and and, uh, in the kitchen. And, and so it's something that I've always kind of wanted to do. I've never, I, I just, I've looked into it. Uh, I've asked, uh, you know, chefs that I'm friends with in Dallas as to what schools maybe they would recommend. It just has always seemed to be, it's always seemed to be a little more complicated than, than, than what I've wanted it to be. So that would be one. And then, um, the other thing that I've always had a passion for is photography. I guess my mom was, uh, she was one of the first people back when we were kids to get a 35 millimeter camera, you know, when they came out. And so I got a lot of pictures of when I was growing up that she put in scrapbooks and all. And I think, I think her interest in photography kind of sparked the interest in me. And, and I've, I've always had it and I've always fancied myself as this photographer or, or someone who has a photographer's eye, but I don't understand the camera like, I, like I'd like to. And I, so now, so I went over to Africa. You probably saw some of those pictures. Yeah, yeah. I did and, Amazing and by the way. It was, it was awesome. And it really made me, uh, you know, want to get more and more involved in photography to where I really understand lighting and, and the settings and where I don't just put it on automatic and take a picture that I can actually control what the picture looks like. And so I started following these photographers on, uh, on Instagram and, and asking some questions and all. And, and so now my thing is I still ultimately, I think want to do culinary school, but I, right now I think that my bigger interest lies in wanting to become a better photographer and going to photography classes. Because I think when my kids go to college, which We'll be here before I know it in about five years. My youngest will be gone. I, I think that that will be something I'd really enjoy doing in the off season when they're no longer around. And I, I think I'd love to travel around and use that uh, to just, you know, kind of broaden what I'm doing within photography. So that's, I guess, those are the two things that I'm I'm wanting to do and trying to find the, the right way to go about getting there. And with the, the culinary and, I guess, photography, you know, schooling lessons. Um, what do you think has kept you from actually diving into taking that culinary lesson? Is it just time or is there a component where you flip over to, okay, I'm signing up for this and talk us through that kind of why not now part of the, the process going from, I've always wanted to do this too. I'm actually doing it. And it sounds like you've started to do that with photography. Started uh, to do it a little bit. Yeah, I think the the biggest deterrent for me is always is always time. You know, my schedule during the football season between preparing for a, a broadcast and then traveling on the weekend and and then the you know, my obligations with my girls there's not time for really much of anything uh, else. And so that's always kept me kind of out of the game, if you will, for, you know, seven months out of the year. And then when I have the off season, you know, obviously they still have the the girls schedules and events and, and, uh, what they need, but there is more time for me, but the time commitment in doing that has always been what's held me back saying, wow, you know, this is going to require, you know, four hours a day of this. And, and so that's the hurdle that I, 
And it's not that I can't carve out that time. You know, I mean, I can make those types of things work. It's, it's just mentally, I think, getting over that hurdle of, of knowing that this is the commitments that required and just doing it. You know, it's, that's always, it's like me watching a movie. I mean, there's times I want to watch a movie, but I, I don't really want to sit there for two and a half hours mm-hmm. and, you know, commit to two and a half hours to watch the movie. <laughs> so that's what keeps me from watching a lot of movies. Same here. That's, that's me with golf. I just don't like how long it takes. <laughs> For me and golf, I gave up. I gave up golf about a year ago now myself, and it's just because my game's gotten so bad. It's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you hit on something though that it's it's helpful when you you did get a taste going to Africa and and it kind of exercising those photography muscles a little bit more and just learning um, whether that's through people on Instagram or it's online. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a formal class that you go to. Um, to begin with, that glimpse and taste of, of what that feels like, that passion, I think sometimes is what hurdles or, or is the catalyst for right. commitment. So trying something and not feeling like you have to make a commitment for hours or a full-time overhaul of your life or schedule, I think is is one of the things that, that can help us a little bit. But those are great ones. And I, I think I'm, um, I'd like to be one of the first people that – that gets the Troy Aikman recipe that, that you end up making after I can, I can only imagine the opportunities, you know, people wanting to make certain things at Super Bowl parties and the Troy Aikman, this and that. So <laughs> a whole new world for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey, if, I, if, and when I do do that, I'll, uh, I'll send, I'll definitely let you know and, and, and get a recipe from you and try to pull it together. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a plan. And just wrapping up here, a couple of quick questions, just kind of rapid fire. What are you reading right now? Or what's your all-time favorite book? Uh, I'm reading a book right now by Jane Wolfe, and it's on the uh, the Murkisons, uh, who once owned the Cowboys. It's an interesting look back on, on how uh, they made their money in the oil business and how they lost ultimately everything that they had. But so I'm in the middle of that book just because of, uh, I guess, big Texas money and oil and then also the, the connection with, uh, you know, being the first owner uh, of, of the Dallas Cowboys. Probably Unbroken is a book that, that's had a real impact on me. And they wound up making it into the movie and, and read that several years ago. Loved that book. So I guess that would cover those. Yeah, absolutely. And what keeps you up at night? Uh, nothing really. I, I'm pretty fortunate. I'm a good sleeper good. and pretty content, you know, and, and at peace. So if there's ever anything that keeps me awake, it would just be the well-being of my children. And last final question, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, <laughs> uh, I probably would be to, uh, enjoy the, in, enjoy the process more you know, enjoy the day to day more. I, I think that, you know, obviously, as you pointed out earlier, I mean, I, I had a lot of successes in, in my career and not just professionally, but collegiately and then in high school. And but I was always very goal oriented and, and always had a vision, you know, and like I said, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. So everything I did was geared towards that. And, uh, and I think that in those moments of, of real accomplishment and achievement, those were great. But I, I, I wish that I had enjoyed the day-to-day grind of it and, uh, and hadn't have just been always looking so far ahead as to what the result was going to be. And again, going back to what we discussed earlier, I, I've, I've gotten better at that. I've learned to be better at that uh, through mindfulness meditation and and uh, I, I would tell my younger self to to dive into that much sooner in his life. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time with us. And I appreciate just over the last several years, just the responsiveness and, and so kind and, and humble. It's It's been awesome to kind of witness that and um, and to be able to share it here today with the listeners. So thank you so much. Thanks for everything you're doing. I mean, you're making a real impact. I, I think what you're doing with this is, is is really awesome to get people thinking about what they're doing or why they're not doing something. And I know it, it did for me. And, and thank you for your friendship uh, and all the great work you're doing for the young girls and uh, and all the people through your podcast. It's really awesome. 
Well, thank you. I absolutely. And, and we'll stay in touch. I look forward to the, the photos, the photography, yeah. and potential culinary <laughs> brilliance coming out and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Amy. So now we can hit Troy up on social media and ask him about his photography and culinary progress. Keep him honest. It's time to turn the tables. What's your why not now? Please share it with me. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you hold me accountable for my why not now, I'll do the same for you. It's a deal. This episode is also brought to you by Withings. Withings invents smart products and apps that fit into any lifestyle to help you track and aim to improve your health. I've been using Withings every day for about a year and a half now, and I am a big fan. One of the things I love the most about the Withings app is their leaderboard step tracking feature because I love some friendly competition. Having a leaderboard has been incentive to be more active and I've even gotten my family involved. Although my dad did try to cheat one day by putting his phone in his horse's saddle. But whether I'm competing with my friends on the other side of the globe, my family, or Dorado, my dad's horse, we're all connecting through our health goals. I just got the Withings Watch 2, which syncs to the app so I can disconnect and not always have my phone with me, but still track my progress. Withings products can track your sleep and weight too. Knowledge is power. Go to withings.com and use coupon code WHYNOTNOW25 to get 25% off your order and free shipping. Hey, Why Notters. Isn't Troy a cool guy? Such a great conversation. We're a couple of episodes in. I want to thank you for listening and for your comments, responses, and reviews. This show is my Why Not Now moment, and the feedback loop is extremely important. I'll send a signed copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Renegades Write the Rules, to the first 200 people who listen, rate, and leave an honest review of the podcast in iTunes. Once you've left a rating and review on iTunes, just email your iTunes handle name and your mailing address to whynotnow at amyjomartin.com and we'll get your package in the mail to you. For detailed show notes, head to amyjomartin.com forward slash whynotnow. That's also where you'll find links to things we discussed in the show, special offers, and how you can keep in touch with show guests. As always, I'm Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And let me know what you think of the music. It's my jam. Well, not my jam, but you know what I mean. Hat tip to my buddies Ash and Devin at Rock Salt Music for our tunes today. You just listened to talented John Coggins in Let's Go and Let It Ride. And a jump high five to my talented husband, Richard Gruer for producing the show. See you next time. Until then, I hope you get your why not now on.